Hey guys, this is David. We wanted to let you know about an exciting opportunity we don't want you to miss out on. We are hosting our annual Awaken Conference Labor Day weekend in Dallas, Texas. Join 4,000 other young adults from all over the country and world to be a part of seeing an awakening of the hope of the world, which is the church of Jesus in our generation. Go to theporch.live to get a ticket before they sell out. Hope to see you at Awaken 2022. Welcome to Views from the Porch, a lifestyle podcast where we have weekly conversations about some of the biggest challenges young adults face today. Our desire is to use God's word in our experience leading thousands of young adults at the porch to challenge you, push you, keep it real with you, and walk alongside you as you navigate your defining years as a young adult. For more info on the porch, visit theporch.live or follow us on social media. And with that, here's this week's episode. What's up, guys? This is David back with another episode of Views from the Porch. Joined with the one and only John David Rogers. What's up? Rogers with a D. Yep, don't forget it. Nope. (laughs) And Mrs. Rebecca Kepto. Oh, that sounded very official. Rebecca. Rebecca Ruth. I feel like I turn into a different person when people call me by my full name. That's for sure. You're like alter ego. Mm. Sounds like a Civil War nurse. Just like... Somebody really from Rebecca Ruth. I feel like Rebecca Ruth is like the savage. It doesn't sound that way, but it's kind of your alter ego savage that comes out. Anyways, that's not what we're talking about. What are we talking about? We're talking about friendships today Mm. and specifically what it looks like whenever you kind of find a new life in Christ. Yeah. Does that mean that you have to find new friends? Mm. Mm. Or can whenever you say goodbye to your old life, are you also saying goodbye to your old friends? Mm. Because that doesn't seem very Christ-like, just to cut people out of your life, but also their bad influences. The all There's a bunch of stuff there. I think that a lot of people just find themselves kind of with their hands tied of, man, I don't want to seem like I'm just, oh, now I've found God, so I'm just going to you know, I'm judging you guys or I'm out on you. So they want to love them. But because these people only participate, like what's loving to them is going to happy hour, going out, you know, talking inappropriately about the opposite sex or watching whatever and listening to whatever. And so I think that that's where a lot of people get, like it gets really complicated is because they're like, oh, how do I continue to love them Mm -hmm. but not be influenced by them? Yeah. I think it's a really important question and – as we were talking before we started recording, it's like, it's a part of everyone's journey, especially if you become a Christian later in life or post-college, or you just come back to your faith. You know, you may have had some faith and you came back to it. And yet Jesus throughout the New Testament seems to be a friend of sinners. He's spending time with with people. He's called a glutton and a drunkard. He um, it, it just seems to spend time with people who didn't share the same faith as him. And so what does it look like to do that faithfully? So to set all of that up, As a believer in Christ, the scripture is clear that the power our friends and relationships have is over our lives, our decisions, who we're becoming, who we're going to be, who we're going to marry, you know, how we dress, just a number of different things is incredibly powerful. Why do I say that? Because in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says, whoever walks with the wise or whoever runs with, is friends with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. In other words, it doesn't say if you walk with wise people, you become wise. And if you walk with a fool, you become a fool. It says it costs you. And I'm sure all of us have friends 
that got into the wrong group of people and they suffered harm from it. Like some of the people I went to high school, they're not alive anymore because they were running with the wrong people and just made a decision that, you know, tragically led to a, a you know, drunk driving accident or something just tragic. And so the importance of our relationships, that adage of show me your friends, I'll show you your future is really true. And I think one of the reasons it's so important to make sure I'm running with the right people is 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. In other words, Paul says, you need to make sure you're careful who you hang out with because your friends, the community of people around you is stronger than your convictions. That's what he just said. Like your Mm -hmm. people, your friends are stronger than your convictions on the decisions that you're going to make. They have a stronger influence on you than even your conviction that, man, I'm not going to smoke weed. And then you all all of a sudden find yourself around people. And to them, smoking weed is not a big deal. And you're introduced to smoking weed. Like all of some of the worst decisions we make or even addictions that develop, you can trace back and they're almost always created in a community. Like I don't know anyone who started smoking alone. Like they just woke up, when decide, you know, I'm going to go smoke in the alley by myself. They were around friends at a bar, they're hanging out, and they began smoking, and they've been doing it ever since. Or the introduction of pornography, at least in my life, was around other people who had already been introduced to it. And I'm sure y'all have the same experience. Yeah. I mean, I a lot of my life was because of the influence of those around me. At the end of the day, we all have a choice. But yeah, I'm definitely influenced by the people around me. I am the sum of my five closest friends. Yes. Who said that? It's a really Aristotle. famous quote. <laughs> I don't know. I'm confident it wasn't him, but the, yeah, the, you ran bastard. Say it again. I said, we are the sum of our five closest friends. Yeah. Now, that's not a Bible verse to it, but it, it just reflects the power the scripture does say of, hey, the people closest to you are going to be the ones who most impact who you're going to be and who you're going to become. Mm-hmm. So, so I have kind of a hot take on this topic. Mm. I, I have learned that a lot of times, you know, we're never to cut someone off. I think it's all about rearranging and the the influence that you are giving them. And I think that also things need to be seasonal. And I think so if when you're a baby in Christ, maybe for a season, you know, you you aren't as consistent or present in those people's lives because like you are so prone to what's right, what's wrong, like to like fall under their influence. And so it might need to be a season away and then come back in a more mature state. But here's my take. I think that if you have friends who do not have a relationship with God, I don't mean call themselves a Christian. I mean, they actually are a Christian. I think that you do, those friends that do not follow God do not actually love you unconditionally. And they don't actually know what it means to be a true friend. The reason why is the Bible talks about how God is love. Mm-hmm. And the only source of unconditional love that we yet can ever really fully comprehend comes from a love from God, that everything else has some kind of condition to it, right? Like he's the only f- source of unconditional love. And so what we all crave to, deep down is to be unconditionally loved. And I think if someone doesn't know God, then they only can love you through a lens of like themselves. Like they only, they don't even realize it, but there's something, they can be a good person. They can like speak, you know, they can tell you things you want to hear. They can do nice things for you. But if God isn't at the center of your friendship, then there is 
something that will always be missing in their ability to love and care for you because God's the only thing that really gives us the ability to love and serve other people first. Sure, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. totally. I agree with that, JD, but also I'm just, maybe I'm speaking from personal experience here, but me, all of my close friends from Florida, um, I recently became a Christian, say back in 2017. So all my close friends in Florida are not Christians and they do not love Jesus, but they're still really good friends to me. And I do consider them close friends. So what would you say to people who are listening that are like, hey, I have people who really care and love for me who aren't Christians. Does that not mean that they're a true friend to me? And you're, are you saying, no, they aren't because they don't fully understand that side of you? I, I think that there they are aspects of them that can be a friend to you, but I think that there will always be a limit. Like there's always something that prohibits cap. them. Yeah. There's a there's a shorter cap on their ability to care for you because they don't know how to truly it's like it's like any relationship. That's why we don't promote, you know, people to be married to someone who's not a believer or anything. That relationship is capped and it's conditional. That means that the moment that you wrong them, they're out, like or or it's just unhealthy to some degree because the gospel isn't what's driving both of you towards each other. Right. It's something self-motivated. Here's a here's a normal pattern you see. The moment that someone starts taking their faith seriously, the reason why their non-Christian friends don't celebrate it, they kind of like make fun of it or make it like they kind of are like, oh, like the the Jesus girl now or yeah, super religious. Yeah, you need to watch or, what I say. Oh, watch you know, don't drink too much. You know, she might judge you or are you judging me? All these comments come out because now. Well, you're actually, you're not, you didn't change at all towards, you didn't come there thinking, I'm going to judge all their actions. If you're a Christian, you're coming going, I'm going to give them grace and I'm going to love them like Christ calls me to. But they're, they now have this like conscience unsettling in them that they're like, wait, now this person is, I'm feeling convicted because this person used to be beside me miserable Mm -hmm. and now they're not and they're doing better than me. And so I need to make them feel smaller so I can feel better about myself. And that's not being a friend. So that's what I mean by there's a cap and there's something conditional there because if it was unconditional, then they would say, hey, I'm so excited. Can I explore more with you? I want to know more. But so many people are quick to push it away and to put all these things on you. Why? Because now your lifestyle is contradicting who they are. So they're wanting to cut you off because they don't want to deal with their mess. Yeah, that fully makes sense. And something else that I do want to touch on, because I do think this is often a topic that's never fully taught or um, for me, at least, I feel like it's something that I didn't understand when I was going through this transition period of my life when I was back very heavily involved with the party scene, which I think a lot of people listening, that's part of your past as well. You're in the party scene, all of your friends, that's who you're doing this with. And then when you become a Christian, everyone, like you were said, are like, oh, are you judging us? Are you holier than thou? So when I was in that position, I didn't really know how to navigate. I felt like I was losing a lot of friends. And I'm like, well, do I just say goodbye to these people and completely cut them out of my life? Do I just take a season off from hanging out with them? Or what does that look like? And I still think looking back, I could have handled that way better than how I did. So if people are listening and they're going through that right now, how would you guys counsel them on how to navigate those relationships? I think it depends on the spiritual maturity of the person involved. And that's a really hard thing to navigate and know even about yourself Mm -hmm. because it takes a humility to say, I don't know that my faith is strong enough right now for me to be around those people and then not pull me back down or for me to not step back into old habits 
old, just, you know, we say a lot, hey, you change your playmates and your playground, as in you change who you run with and you change where you're running in terms of the people that you're around. That example that, you know, anybody who grew up in youth group, well, I know you know what I'm talking about, of the guy who stands in a chair and the uh, pastor gets up and says, just like, you know, if Bob tries to pull me down off of this chair, it's going to be a lot easier for him to do that than for me to pull him up on right. the chair because yeah. mm-hmm. you're working against gravity. In the same way, as it relates to your faith, it's a lot easier to get pulled down than for you to pull them up. And that's really where the what Jesus did breaks down because you and I are not Jesus. And that doesn't mean that you totally have to cut somebody off, but it does mean you have to consider the question, are they going to pull my faith down in a season where it may not be strong enough to pull them up or to be the light and the example that I want to be. So maybe I'm going to restrict how much I hang out with them or even where they hang out. So we don't hang out Friday you know, at the bar. We're going to hang out Thursday for lunch, and I'm going to spend time in an environment that's not going to have as much temptation attached to it. Yeah, that's good. But how do you also communicate to them if you are transitioning and you're like, hey, this is my new life? I feel like when I was experiencing that, I didn't even really know how to communicate that to my friends because they simply didn't understand. So how would you guys recommend going about that? Yeah, I want to... So I just spoke about the non-Christian in this friendship, and I was basically saying, hey, the reason why they're quick to say you're judging me holier than thou and not show interest and like celebrate you is because they don't know how to unconditionally be for you because they don't know the person who is the author of unconditional love. Yeah. Now to the Christian, I would say kind of the hot take or like the fact that's a lot of true, a lot of Christians is they, one, we don't, I don't think we fully understand what we're signing up for when we're saying we're surrendering our life to Christ. That like when we, it's surprising to me when so many Christians are like, I'm losing everything. And I'm like, then you're doing it. You're biblically becoming a Christian because- That's what he says is the call is to lay your life down. Yeah. And I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. And so like the old life is supposed to, you're supposed to lose it. And the, the Jesus says like, remember when the world hates you, it hated me first. Like it's, it's what comes with it. And that's why not everyone will do it. And so I think one, like we should not be surprised when we're losing old ways and old things and people even. I know it's hard, but it's just a reality. Two, I think that the reason why people are, they're not actually like upset with, we should not be surprised that lost people are responding the way they are to us. What we should be surprised by is the fact that we are afraid to address it head on. I think a lot of Christians don't want to sit down with their lost friends. And here's what happens. The reason why your lost friends are so confused is because you just kind of were passive and you didn't have the the guts to sit down with them and articulate what happened to you and to go I'm I am inviting you to just come and see if this is real if this is true like if you're truly my friend you're saying if I'm your friend I'll still go out I'll still do all of this I'm telling you that that was leading me towards depression anxiety like do you want that from me I'm telling you now I have found like I know you're miserable. You've told me. I know you're lonely. You've told me. I have found the answer to that, and I'm asking you, like, if you're my friend, to trust me. That's what friendship is. And I think a lot of people don't want to enter that conversation, so they just kind of sheepishly approach that person. Like, they they make excuses. Hey, you coming out tonight? 
oh, I'm exhausted from the work week. Yeah, it's been a busy week. And your friends aren't idiots. So they're like, no, something's happening because then you post at, you know, the porch or whatever and what's going on and you're different. And so they're upset, but it's because they just never got truly communicated to. So I think that you've got to be willing just to sit down and just, you don't have to give some profound theological answer. Explain what happened. Totally. Just tell them what happened. Exactly. And I don't think you have to make it about them as much as it is like the environments and the temptations and what you're trying to prioritize is in like, hey, I don't need to highlight it's you because the truth is it's not them. It's everyone has a sin nature and the faith status of my faith right now is just still growing. And so I sit down over the, you know, across the table from somebody who's a friend and just say, man, I'm just not going to spend my nights my happy hours like that because I feel like God is at work in my life and I don't want to do anything to disrupt that. And I'd love for you to come see and be a part of it and try to make yourself in the driver's seat of going, hey, come hang out with me on a Tuesday at the porch or come hang out and let's do something this weekend afternoon. I still care about you because I don't think we want to be isolationists where we just go straight up, abandon the world or we're you know isolated from the world because we're called to be in it, but not of it. And so Jesus had relationships and friends. I'd almost think of it like concentric circles. You will have the core, which is your inner circle, and those should all be Christ followers who are solid, who are, to what J.D. was saying earlier, if they don't know Jesus, then they can't be a faithful friend because the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And so there's friends that we should have that can tell us the truth and tell us something that we may not see. And if they don't know God, then they're going to be tempted to just go, man, I don't want to hurt your feelings or I don't want to, I care more about what you think about me than I actually care about you because they don't know Jesus. So anyways, the inner circle should be that core. Those should be Christ followers. Then we have people that we influence in the group outside of that. And those may not all be Christ followers, but we need to be wise and be honest and say, am I influencing them or are they influencing me? Yeah. And then outside of that, there's just people that are kind of acquaintances that we care about and we know and we would be kind to and like we should with everyone, but we care about, but we're just not going to spend a lot of intentional time with, and they're not going to be the ones shaping and influencing the direction of our life. Yeah, I get that. But now that we're talking about circles, David, um, I feel like there's also boundaries when you start talking about who's in your inner circle versus who's in the outer layers. So if somebody's in your outer layer, but they think that you guys are best friends and they're always trying to hang out. How do you communicate to them? Like, hey, you're not part of my inner circle. Because I feel like that would lead to hurt. Like if they're a strong believer? Maybe a strong believer, maybe they're a baby believer, but you already have your core group of friends and somebody just doesn't, Is you're not on the same page with your relationship yeah. in terms of the friendship. And so if you're the one that's like, oh, like, yeah, I'm, I want to be friends with this person, but I'm not trying to have them as my up close core group. How do you set up that boundary and communicate to that that to them? I th- and do you? I was going to say, I think you're in a season. I think you can say, hey, I'm just in a season where my uh, relational capacity doesn't allow me to hang out with as many people as I wish I could at all times. And so for me, that looks like my community group, my family, mm-hmm. my friends beyond that, our team, because you know we're constantly around each other as much as anyone. And hey, these are going to be the people that are in the circle of influence and that you're uh, being developed by and developing, and you just lovingly communicate that. Like, hey, I just don't have the relationship. Can that, because that could change, you know, in six mm-hmm. months, some of your closest friends all move right. and you have more capacity. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. I think a lot of people, again, are just afraid to address things head on and be honest. And I think that's what causes hurt, actually. I think 
trying to fit them in, but they're feeling like you're uh, avoiding yeah. and all that confusion, that actually is what causes more hurt than sitting down and saying, can I be honest with you? And here's what I'm feeling, and I know you're feeling it too, and here's why. Here's why. And so I think that's the most loving thing you can actually do is just being honest. JD, what is that conversation before we move on? Because I think people don't even know how to have that conversation. So I'm assuming you've had to do something like that in the past. What do you, What does that conversation look like when you have to sit down and do that? Yeah, I, I have. I would say for me, a lot of times it's showing people, well, one, I had to remind people that there's nothing I can give them that they can't already have fully in Christ. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people just really want people to meet their needs. And I used to kind of operate underneath this, like it felt good. I needed to be needed. So like it felt good to have people need me. But then I would realize, whoa, I'm at capacity. I can't meet all these people's needs. And that's not what I'm called to do. I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. So then I experienced burnout. And then I didn't want to be with any people. So then I had to find, I overcorrected. And I hung out with like one person every day. So then I had to I had to find that happy medium. And I think more so saying, how do you have that conversation? It's how do you keep from getting to that conversation? And I think it's setting healthy boundaries and realistic expectations up top. So instead of just saying yes to every meeting or just like being a yes man or a yes girl, learning how to articulate expectations. Hey, just so you know, I'm married now. And I know we just had an incredible night after the porch where you shared me your life story and all of this. I can probably meet like once in the next, like uh, let's get a dinner on the calendar in the next month. You know, just setting an expectation, um, but also just being surrounded to the spirit. Cause sometimes I meet someone I'm like, I can just feel a spirit saying, pour into this guy's life and like have him. But I have to assess and go, well, how many people am I doing that with currently? So it's really just, I would more so put energy into how do you not get to that point of that conversation and how do you start the relationship up top with healthy boundaries and expectations? Totally. That's good. So when you communicate these expectations, you going into that, does this other person know that you are going with the intention of pouring into them or are they thinking that you guys are meeting up as friends? Because I think sometimes that's where some hurt happens as well. Yeah, I think every every interaction is different and mm-hmm. it's and it's... Sometimes, like, David, I know you've experienced this, like, you'll think you're just going in for another ministry meeting, and you'll be like, you're weirdly ministering to me. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. Like, you're, you're like, equally pouring into me, and that makes me want to, like, become, go, like, go past ministry to, like, friendship right. with you, because this was, this did something to me. And so I think, again, I don't really go into something with, like, crazy expectations. I kind of just go in open-handed and let the spirit guide the future of that relationship and how it should be. And so I, I feel like we're now kind of getting into like Christian friendships almost. Yeah, nuanced. Yeah. But with but the last thing I want to say with the the third thing I, I see happening a lot with Christians being friends with non-Christians is they will so they will compromise their beliefs to maintain friendships. Yeah. But they won't put in the work to get new godly friendships. Yep, that's right. So like they'll say, well, I'll lose everyone. There are so many Christians that are looking for f- new friends. And so, you know, it's it's. I don't think it's a matter of I'm going to be alone. I think it's a matter of like operating in fear 
and not wanting to put in the work to pursue something new because it's vulnerable, it's uncomfortable. It's kind of like dating almost, like you're starting (laughs) from scratch and this is just easier, but it's not in the end. And so I think that my last bit of encouragement would be whenever you start to hear the lie that like, well, if you lose, then you're going to be alone. That's just not true because God didn't just have us as Christians die to the old self. He had us walk in the new self. And so he wouldn't ask you to say no something that he's not going to provide a yes. And so the no of old ways is saying yes to a new way. And that's going to look like if you're having to say no or not. And by that, I don't mean cutting them off, but just rearranging and pushing back further the people who once influenced you negatively. That means that he also simultaneously is calling you to say yes to healthy friendships. Yeah, that's right. And so you got to put in the work, though. Totally. I mean, that it's like marriage. We said dating earlier, but like a strong marriage is forged, not found. And strong friendships are forged, as in they, they take work and they take time and they take building, not found. We don't think of it that way because a lot of our strongest connections come from college or high school. and But those were environments where you spent a lot of time together. And so now it is taking that next step. And the reason it's so important, as we started with, is that it's going to shape the direction you're headed in. When I was in high, no, senior year of college, we went on a road trip with three of my closest friends at the time, and we flipped a coin. Are we going east or west? Ted's is west, east is tails. Tails it was. We got in the car. We just drove, started going all the way out to Florida, went to Knoxville. Every stop was a decision that someone in the car made. Hey, I want to go here. I want to go to Charleston. I want to go to, you know... Um, uh, man, what's that place in Georgia? Jekyll Island. All that to say, the directions and destinations that we ended up were shaped by the people that we were with. And that's really what the Bible says your life is a culmination of. He walks with the wise, will be wise. Companion and fools will suffer harm. The friends are going to shape the direction you're headed in. The person you're going to marry is going to be shaped by the groomsmen and the bridesmaids that will be a part of that wedding. The dad you're going to be, the mom you're going to be, all that is being shaped by the people you're with. So you cannot be too careful or too intentional on prioritizing godly friendships in your life. That's good. Boom. Good. All right. Well, that's it. Um, Anything else should we do? Giveaway? (laughs) Well, we can. Yeah, go for it. We haven't done one in a minute. We haven't done one in a minute. So if you see this and you um, DM the porch on Instagram a a screenshot of your review – on iTunes or Spotify, I believe you can you can do that on Spotify. We always ask that question. Can yeah, you? you can. Yeah, yeah. Screenshot us that and send it in, and we are going to pick somebody to win the Awaken tickets. And as always, we will see you next week on another episode of Views from the Porch. Thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about the porch, follow us on social media or visit us at theporch.live. And as always, go in peace and love to serve the Lord this week. <laughs>